My wife and I have two closets in our apartment, one that my wife uses and one that I use. In my closet, there's about 50% clothes, coats, shoes, school supplies, and like 50% Christmas decorations. Okay, some of them are Halloween or Easter, but honestly, most of them are Christmas. I have a six-foot tree, a massive trunk, two big bins, and it's because I love Christmas. I really do. And as your seminarian, I loved spending Christmas Eve with you. Last year, I Marie Kondoed our apartment. Anyone here ever watch Marie Kondo's show? When you're ready to do a deep cleaning of your belongings, Marie recommends that you take one item at a time and ask yourself, does this spark joy? If it doesn't, you thank it and then donate, donate it or toss it. I did that with all of my belongings, and then my wife was like, do you want to do this with your Christmas decorations? And I could just see this flicker of hope in her eyes. Because you, you, you see, my, my wife actually has a smaller of the two closets. And I said to her, oh, that's not necessary. Everything in those bins sparked joy. And after a beautiful Christmas Eve service, we observed the 12 days of Christmas. And quick story, I recall sitting in the office after a Christmas Eve service, and one of us said, we made it. And then either Kent or Amy said, actually, we have 12 more days. And I thought they were kidding. And then a few days later, I received a text from Kent that included, happy fourth day of Christmas. And I was like, oh, this is a thing. <laughs> it's not just a song. And honestly, I was ecstatic. In my past experience, it feels like you celebrate Christmas on the 25th and then nothing. You can listen to Christmas music on the radio the day after Halloween, but the day after Christmas, it's all gone. On a more theological note, I feel observing the 12 days is important. We spend all this time sitting and waiting together during Advent, and so it feels almost necessary that we have 12 days where we can really embody feel it in our hearts and bodies when it means that Jesus was born, when it meant 2,000 years ago, and what it means for us right now in this moment. And today we welcome the first Sunday after Epiphany. And I must confess, the season of Epiphany is new to me too. And as many of you may know, Epiphany begins after the 12 days of Christmas. And it is my understanding that during this season, we celebrate the revelation of God coming to earth through Jesus, God revealing themselves to us. For the first Sunday after Epiphany, we remember the baptism of Jesus. Jesus traveled from Galilee to John to be baptized. In Matthew's account of Jesus' baptism, John proclaimed that he needed to be baptized by Jesus. But Jesus disagreed and said that John needs to baptize him so that they can fulfill all righteousness. Matthew is the only gospel that includes this dialogue between John and Jesus. This dialogue exchange is what I chose to focus on today. My first question is, 
Why did Jesus need to be baptized? After all, he is the Son of God. Some biblical commentators suggest that Jesus' baptism marks the end of John's ministry and the beginning of Jesus' ministry. Some also suggest that baptisms mark the beginning of new life of discipleship with Christ, no matter what age. Culturally, we tend to associate new beginnings with the new year, but our experiences here at church remind us that those new beginnings can happen all throughout the year. At minimum, they can happen once a week when we state the prayer of confession together. We remember the ways that we stepped out of rhythm with God and the times when we were in rhythm with God, and then we ask God to help us to recenter us. To me, this is such great news. The fact that we can always start over. We can restart multiple times a day if we need to. I've had days when the minute I wake up, I let circumstances get the best of me. Parking ticket. I'm running late. There's no half and half for my coffee, which, trust me, is a disaster. (laughs) I'm absurdly grumpy. And sometimes it helps me to just lay back in bed, close my eyes, open them, and say, okay, let's try this again. I thought about focusing my sermon on this idea of renewal, but I find myself continuously going back to Jesus and John's conversation. And when I ask myself, Jesus, why were you baptized? Jesus answered, to fulfill all righteousness. That's a typical Jesus response, isn't it? Thanks, Jesus but I have no, no idea what you are talking about. And after days of thinking about this, this is what I came up with. In the act of baptism, Jesus humbled himself. Here, the Son of God bows his head to John the Baptist. As you may recall, John is the forerunner of Jesus. He spoke about him in public and began baptisms that would prepare people for Jesus' ministry. John and Jesus are also cousins. So I can imagine that it is not just each of their callings that bring them together, but their desire to support and love one another. We see a similar supportive and loving relationship between their mothers, Mary and Elizabeth, when Mary finds out she is pregnant and visits Elizabeth. Whether Jesus needed to be baptized or not no longer feels important to me. But what is important to me is... What impact did his baptism have on us? Well, first, in the act of baptism, Jesus identifies with us as imperfect beings who sometimes follow the ways of God, who sometimes do not. He is not separating himself from us. As I thought more about Jesus' response, I looked up the word righteousness in Greek. Here are just a few definitions. Integrity, rightness, and correctness of thinking, feeling, and acting. What does it mean to live in a right way with God? What does correctness of thinking, feeling, and acting look like? And I think we're given a visual of righteousness and what it looks like immediately after Jesus' baptism. After Jesus was baptized, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. 
And a voice from heaven said, This is my son, the beloved, with whom I am well pleased. Here we see Jesus and God model a righteous relationship. God declares, This is my son, the beloved. But as we know, Jesus' baptism is not just about him and God. It is about all of us. Jesus identifies with us so that we may know that God declares this same truth for each and every one of us. We are their children, the beloved. We are worthy and deserving of love. This is what I think it looks like to live a life of integrity with God to live right with God, to know that we are all children of God and that no matter who we are, what we have done, we are imperfect, but we are worthy. This truth is so simple, isn't it? Yet it can be so easy to forget. We can be so hard on ourselves, and the world can be hard on us too. Some days we will be able to believe that we are worthy, that we are deserving of love, that God loves us just the way that we are in this exact moment. And some days that will be harder. And some days we will just need to believe it. And there are also maybe some of us who just never feel like we are enough. And you are not alone. It is really hard, especially when we feel like our value is based on how much we can do. Jobs may push us to constantly exceed expectations. Families, too, perhaps from a well-meaning place of wanting something better for us. And even when we do not receive those pressures, we can place those pressures on ourselves because that has become so ingrained in us. In those moments that feel really hard, I invite you to remember Jesus' baptism and to say in your heart or out loud, I am imperfect, but I am worthy. I am deserving of love. Even if it feels unnatural or silly. And if you're not able to, Just knowing that God knows you are worthy and deserving of love can be enough. Of course, may we want to try to improve ourselves, and I do not think there's anything wrong with that. In fact, I think it can be valuable, but it can also be very dangerous if we measure our self-worth on whether or not we obtain that goal, especially whether or not we obtain that goal perfectly because it can make our self-worth fragile. So for me today, righteousness, fulfilling all righteousness, is about knowing what we are worth. And for us, that might be a lifelong project. But those moments when we are able to embody what it means to be worthy and deserving of love, even just for a little bit, we can see the heavens open up and we can witness God's voice calling, this is my child. When I was in my early 20s, I church hopped, and in each one, I questioned if I deserved to be there, especially after so many years being away from church. During the passing of the peace, this woman who I did not know 
came right up to me, and she gave me this big hug, this big, warm hug. And I immediately felt at home, like I was supposed to be there in that moment. She did not have to say anything. Her hug made all the difference in the world to me. I can still, still feel it. For me, it was like God breaking through, telling me that I am worthy. The point of me sharing this is that I believe we all need a little help from each other. And so this is why I'll also say that I believe that fulfilling all righteousness requires us to act. Sharing a smile, taking the time to not just hear someone, but really listen. Pray. Whatever feels most genuine to you. And as we go about our week and weeks to come and feel a desire to better ourselves, this community, this world, I urge us to do what I heard a pastor once say. Strive for faithfulness, not perfection. Because it is in faithfulness where we will find God. After all, Jesus' baptism was not about perfection, but about his faith. And so as we strive to live in rhythm with God, to live our lives as God intended, and inevitably fall out of rhythm sometimes as human beings do, we are nudged to not just love the parts of ourselves that we are proud of, the parts that are easy to love, but also the parts that we're not so proud of. Today, our closing hymn is Joy to the World, one of my favorites, and I heard it is one of Betty Gray's favorites, too. And I ask that as we sing the glories of his righteousness and wonders of his love and wonders of his love, may we open our hearts so that we can also fulfill all of righteousness and hear God say, These are my children, the beloved, with whom I am well pleased. They are worthy and deserving of love. Amen. <laughs>